0: Well, certainly most people don't know this. When it comes to the climate agenda, the goal is eliminating the ethos of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Hi, everybody. Brian Sussman here. It's the Brian Sussman Show on audio. Thank you for listening on whatever platform you may be listening. What we're doing now is essentially simulcasting. I like the word. We'll use it simulcasting my new video podcast, which is available at YouTube and Rumble. Just look for Brian Sussman Show. This is episode three from the video series. It's exposing the war on life, liberty, and property. Why am I so interested in this? Well, as many of you know, my books have all been written about Marxism. I know, I know, I know a lot's there about the climate agenda, but at the end of the day, the goal of that agenda is to eliminate, destroy the ethos of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So with that in mind, let me take you right now to the audio from the video show, and thanks for listening. I am sure you are sensing this just the way I am. There is a spirit of delusion that has come upon so many, not just in America, but around the world, believing absolutely crazy things. And some of those crazy things are philosophical and political, and that's what really scares me the most. Hi, everybody. Brian Sussman here. It's the Brian Sussman Show. I'm in the man cave. This is episode three. I'm really glad you're here. Please give me a like. Make sure you give me a share. And also, if you can subscribe on YouTube, that would be excellent as well. Now, let's talk about this spirit of delusion. In just a moment, I'm going to introduce you to somebody. This is from an interview I conducted a while back at an Earth Day rally. This gentleman, seemingly nice guy. If he was your next-door neighbor, he'd probably be a great neighbor. But he has bought into this philosophy, this political philosophy that I'm about to discuss, like so many have. But it really shouldn't surprise us because in the United States of America, we've had indoctrination now for decades, K through 12, pushing this particular philosophy very subtly, but pushing it nonetheless. And then, of course, in our colleges, even our private Christian colleges, a lot of this philosophy gets shoved down the throats of the students as well, and they become indoctrinated. I'm going to refer to some notes as I proceed in this podcast. These are notes from a book that I'm currently working on. And I want to speak about two philosophers. The first, you have certainly heard of, and the second, perhaps not. The first philosopher said this as I look at my screen. Communism is the riddle of history solved and it knows itself to be this solution. The second philosopher gave birth to the motto, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Actually, he said it was life, liberty, and property. But the founders of this country adapted that and called it the pursuit of happiness. But it's all the same, because doesn't your property bring you happiness? Whether it's that really nice shirt that you purchased, or maybe it's the used car that you have, or maybe you own a house. That gives us happiness, and the founders of this country knew that. So our first philosopher is obviously Karl Marx, the father of socialism, communism, same thing, and collectivism at large. The second is John Locke. John Locke was a British philosopher. John Locke was the inspiration for the founders He was the guy that came up with this whole idea of life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, government for the people, of the people, by the people. He was essentially the brains behind the foundation of America. Now, let me introduce you to that gentleman I spoke of just a moment ago. It's interesting. I did this interview at an Earth Day rally, as I mentioned. He is a total believer in Marx's doctrine, where he learned it. I have no idea, but he was a great spokesman. What was interesting in the background of this particular video, you'll see a little sign that says greenwashing is brainwashing. <laughs> he didn't know that someone had placed this behind him when I was conducting the interview, but nonetheless, uh, it's a little bit of irony. Here's the interview. Um, let's get off our capitalist consumer nature. Uh, we are addicted to buying things. We have to take care of our own, be in community, uh, celebrate community, celebrate our families and our lives at home. Uh, Traveling and buying new things, that's actually part of the problem. That is the problem. I think it's safe to say that that guy has a problem with personal property. Obviously, he was influenced by Karl Marx, big time. Let me tell you a little bit about Marx. He was born in Germany lived for 65 years, born in the year 1818. He conceived the philosophy that he originally dubbed organized collectivism. Collectivism is exactly what the guy at the Earth Day Festival was describing when he was talking about community and family. Collectivism is the opposite of individualism. It's at the very, very center of Marxism at large and is the complete antithesis of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which allows for rugged individualism. It needs to be noted that collectivism would also become socialism and communism. Marx used those terms interchangeably, but at the heart of it all, at the very heart of this doctrine of communism, was something called the laws of matter. Let me explain this because it's very, very important, and it allows us to understand why there are certain people in this world who feel that they have the right to rule us all. There are three laws of matter, and I'm going to summarize them very briefly. I've done this in all of my books, including the book I'm currently working on, because this is at the very center of the delusion that's taking place in the world today. And it's at the very center of this mentality that we, the people, we, the people, cannot manage this country any longer, and we need an authoritarian government to do the work for us. So again, summarizing the laws of matter, something like this. Love, passion, value, and feelings are not composed of matter and are therefore imaginary. Belief in God is pure fantasy. Even consciousness is simply the result of material interactions within the human brain. The human race is naturally inclined toward destructive purposes and incapable of peace without intervention from those born with a leap of intelligence above and beyond the masses. And those superior beings with the leap have a responsibility to collectively rule over those with inferior intellect. Otherwise, the lesser minded will destroy the planet and kill one another. Thus, power must rest in the hands of a very few, assuring that the working class is kept content and compliant. Progressive laws, regulations, and ethics and ethos must be promoted and must be enforced. Now, again, just to be forthright, you heard my summary of Marx's Laws of Matter. I wrote about it extensively in my book, Climategate, in the first chapter, which is called Foundation of Fraud. I touched on it again in the book *Eco Tyranny*, and I'm also writing about it extensively for the new book that I'm working on. In the meantime, it's the law of transformation that scares me the most, because the elites of this world, particularly in the United States of America, truly believe that some people have been born with a better brain than others. And as a result of this better brain, they have some sort of metaphysical responsibility to rule over, to dominate those with the lesser brains. Because left to their own devices, those with the lesser brains will kill one another and destroy the planet. This is at the very heart of the climate change agenda. You just really need to understand that. This worldview resonates with those who consider themselves to be progressive and highly resounds with those who have been trained at the elite colleges and universities, because through advanced education and absorption of these open-minded doctrines, these people surmise they are masters of the universe, keepers of an amoral system wherein they have the power to define the rules, create the laws, determine the morality and the decrees and the rights of the people. Hence, America's unique inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are viewed as absurd in large measure because an imaginary God cannot declare rights. You see, Marxism demands that all so-called rights be issued by the power of government and withdrawn by that same government if deemed necessary. And now we come to the man who was the antithesis of Karl Marx, John Locke. He was a man of great integrity who lived about 100 years before Karl Marx. The founders of the United States of America drew on Locke's philosophies greatly in creating not just the Declaration of Independence, but also the Constitution of the United States of America. Locke was a physician. He was a government official. He was an educator. He was also a Wonderful theologian. By all accounts, he was an absolute gentleman, and no one throughout history had anything bad to say about this guy. In the run up to drafting the Constitution and, of course, the Declaration of Independence, Locke was quoted regularly by the founders. And this is very important to note because, again, everything that Locke had to say, everything that the founders stood for in terms of their political philosophy. Is completely opposed to Marxism today. Locke's signature developments were that of natural law, natural rights, and its byproduct, liberty. Natural law, sometimes referred to as the law of nature, this was well understood in Locke's time, but no one had applied it to the system of representative government that Locke was developing. Quite simply, natural law holds that our creator, has divinely placed within all of our hearts the knowledge of right and wrong, good and evil, truth and a lie. It's a universal code of ethics that's succinctly expressed in the Bible's Ten Commandments. Locke believed that these basic laws of nature should be protected from government interference and encouraged by the people. Now, in addition to natural law, Locke espoused natural rights. He identified men and women as the workmanship of God, from whom they received three distinct rights—life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which is derived from property ownership. And Locke insisted the only legitimate end to government was the defense of these natural rights and these natural laws. You have to keep in mind how unique this was, and really still is. Prior to the founding of the United States of America, all nations had been ruled by monarchies and oligarchies or dictators or military leaders. Locke's theories implied a nation's laws were congruent with the moral construct of natural law and natural rights, and they should be protected by a constitution, a superior constitution, which would allow for a limited government elected by the people, complete with the distinct separation of powers. No king, no queen, no authoritarian leader. Guess what? It was unique then, and it remains unique to this day. Now we have to unpack one more thing liberty. Everyone portends to be a champion of liberty. Socialists, communists, this, that, and the otherists, they all say they're for liberty, but we must define the terms. Both liberty and the pursuit of happiness do not translate into doing your own thing. The contentment spoken of by Locke is derived from living within the bounds of natural law and finding joy in the natural rights, in particular, rights of happiness associated with property ownership. I'll say it another way. The right to pursuing happiness through one's property is to be conducted within the framework of natural law, specifically the Golden Rule. The golden rule says this, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and this is the prophets. Locke and the founders were not espousing a system of greed. No, they were espousing a system of benevolence. Ideally, it would be a system that would benefit not just the people of the United States of America, but also benefit the world. Now, let me reveal a great contrast I'm quoting directly from the Communist USA website, which defines liberty through a Marxist lens. Communists, on the other hand, see individuals in the context of their role in the economy. As long as property gives one person the right to control and subordinate another, real freedom isn't possible. So, we say that freedom requires abolishing class differences altogether. No more wage workers, no more shareholders, just people working in a society based on collective, democratic control of resources. You know what's frightening about that? And it is frightening. Socialists and communists, once they take power, once they gain the reins, they start to level the playing field. Oh, they employ equity. Oh, they employ justice with a wicked hand and those who don't fall in line those who refuse to be re-educated those who refuse to play by their rules could find themselves in great peril and history proves that that is usually the sad and tragic case Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To the Marxist, the life of an individual is not unique, just a fragment of the ever-multiplying collective mass, a random cosmic Darwinian accident. Liberty is unattainable. It's sentiment. Left to their own devices, the Marxist believes the human masses are wholly incapable of coexistence without formidable government control and regulation. And the pursuit of happiness through property ownership absolutely preposterous. And that brings us to the climate agenda. They're using the environment as an effective weapon to justify their prejudice for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which is found through the ownership of private property. John Locke's assertion was this, every man has a property in his own person. A great delusion has come upon the face of America and upon the world at large through media manipulation, educational indoctrination, and fear tactics, the likes of which I talked about in the past episode. But in the meantime, I stand firm and I stand hopeful that there will be a great revival of spirit in this country, not just the spirit of 76, but a spirit from on high that will take the blinders off those who find themselves in delusion. God bless the United States of America, and God bless you, my friend. Thanks for watching. Please share. Please subscribe. Appreciate you. Look forward to our next get-together here from the Man Cave.